promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 32. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. When great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give counsel. Do not be like a horse or mule without understanding that must be controlled with bit and bridle or else it will not come near you. Many pains come to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Amen. Our reading comes from 1 Peter, the third chapter, beginning at the 13th verse. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient, when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it a few, that is, eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a beautiful section here in First Peter. It is full of so much uh, wealth of gospel for us, right? Because we we got done with uh, with this this discussion on do no evil, and and now there is this conversation that he's having about the reality that suffering is going to come. 
you are going to suffer, and more than likely, you are not going to suffer for what you deserve, but for what you do not deserve. Right? You are gonna you're gonna suffer uh, because of um, unrighteousness happening upon you. You are going to suffer because you have uh, uh, evil in the world. You have sinners in the world that are fighting against the God who has come to reconcile the world to himself. And the world doesn't want to be reconciled to God. The world wants to be the world. The world, uh, including our own sinful hearts, want our own power. We want our own kingdom. We don't want to submit to a kingdom that is uh, not ours, right? And so he begins, who then will harm you if you're devoted to what is good? This idea of you continue to do what is good. And and the, the reality is, as long as you don't uh, break that as long as you don't go after things that are not good uh, what harm really will come to you and if harm does come to you whatever that harm uh, may look like in an quote-unquote undeserved way it, it's it's going to be for the glory of God in some way, shape, or form. Here he says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. What what you have happening here is, is this call for us to allow our fears to subside, our, our fears of life, our fears of death, our fears of the world, our fears of sin, our fears of, of suffering, our fears of all these things that are to come because of what Christ has done. That, that those things are set aside because we know for certain that what Christ is giving us is life uh, beyond what this world sees as life. That, that even though we may suffer in this life, even though we may suffer loss of all things, even though we may suffer even the loss of our own lives, that, that that this life is but the the beginnings of the birth pains and that new birth is coming in Christ new life is is coming and so what it ends up doing is saying uh, don't fear the things that they are that they fear or be intimidated in other words when people are persecuting you when when people are are wishing to do you harm when people are coming down upon you uh, because of their own sin because of their own fears you allow your fears to subside because you desire, you desire to be held by Christ through, through all of this life, knowing that he has won victory for you over sin and death, over our own anxieties, over our own, our own fears. Okay. And so it is that, that he says, but in your hearts regard the Lord as holy or the Lord as set apart or this, the Lord as different, uh, a different Lord, uh, someone who, who came to earth as different than what this earth is, came to earth as different than what the sinners are like around us, including our own sinful selves. He is different than us. He, he is beyond us. And so it is that he is able to do more and greater things outside of whatever may happen to us. And then it says, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. The reality being that the work of Christ upon us, the building up of our faith, the outpouring of grace upon us is going to cause us to, uh, over time, 
be able to stand firm in the face of suffering, stand firm in the face of hardship, stand firm in the face of what may come, what may happen to us, to be able to stand firm in the reality that that uh, people are going to do horrible things, whether they be to us or us to them, uh, but, but knowing that in Christ... We have a firm foundation. We have a Christ who has done all things for us. And, and so when, when we are sitting here not being afraid of death or that cancer diagnosis or whatever, which doesn't mean you're never afraid, no, but it means that somehow in this, this faith that is gifted to you, God is, is doing a work in you that causes the world to be confounded because they sit here and they say, how the heck... Are you able to have this reaction to the world? How can you even uh, be uh, this um, this this uh, uh, stalwart in the face of pain and difficulty, and and you be prepared to say, "Well, it was but for the grace of God, but for the mercies of Christ, because of what Christ has done, because I know that I deserve." Uh, much of what comes to me, but I also know that there is one who has stood in the gap for me, one who has died on a cross for me, one who has come proclaiming freedom to captives. And even though we killed him on that cross, he rose again to make sure that we know that we can't do anything to stop him from loving us and granting us mercy, even in the midst of suffering. And then it says... You do this in gentleness and respect, right? I've known way too many people where that's it's it's all about being right, or it's all about uh, apologetics in the church being about trying to win the argument rather than trying to win the soul for Jesus. Trying to be right and make sure people know it rather than allowing allowing God to do the work. Allowing God to do the work. But you do this in gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience for the sole purpose that when they accuse you, when they come after you, uh, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. The reality being, don't be a jerk on Twitter, right? (laughs) Just be sitting here going, asking questions around mercy and grace and forgiveness, the things that come with the gospel being slow to condemn and quick to forgive. Yes, there is time for rebuke, but with that rebuke comes forgiveness of sin. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. That's self-explanatory, right? Well, then we have this final section of chapter 3. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. That... You know, it, it, when we want to complain about quote-unquote undeserved suffering, we should have a crucifix in front of us to realize that it is that Christ <laughs> suffered undeserved suffering for us, that we caused it upon him to bring us to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the spirit in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison. This is a this is a weird thing because Peter's sitting here talking about how he went and spoke 
know, in some ways specifically to those who did not listen to Noah when he preached for hundreds of years while he was building the ark. Uh, and they and they are in this sort of uh, this they say prison, this prison of death, this prison of Sheol, this this place in which uh, it's almost like they're in a holding pattern, and it's and it, they're 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 waiting for paradise to come. And and when you read like the Book of Revelation and elsewhere, you kind of see this picture of uh, when you die that that you sort of go to the realm of the dead waiting for the new heaven and the new earth to come, that the new heaven and the new earth have not come yet, but at the same time in God, time is not time. <laughs> and so uh, uh, trying to hope and pray that uh, that when we do die, it's we're at those pearly gates, right? <laughs> but it's this it's this weird context here, in, in in the sense of of saying that Christ even went to those who did not listen before. That this is the wider mercy of God, right? Wanting to proclaim the good news. Does that mean that they all went? Oh yeah, I'm on board with that. I don't know, but but it paints a beautiful picture of Christ. That Christ does not give up on us in our doubts, in our fears, in our failings. That there's nothing you can do in this life to keep Christ from coming after you with the good news of salvation found in his name. And then an interesting passage here in a few, that is eight people. This is verse 20, the end of verse 20, we're saved through water. Verse 21, baptism, which corresponds to this now saves you. Not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's a difficult passage maybe for some of you. Because we sit here and say, well, only Christ saves. Yes, but Christ and God work through means. And that's one of the things that makes Lutherans different than Baptists, for instance. That it is that there's nothing special about the water, but it's based upon the promise and it's always based upon a promise that comes outside of us. So baptism is not something you do for God. Baptism is not uh, a, a faithful act that you do to make God happy or, or to announce to the world that I'm going to live my life different. That's, that's, that understanding of baptism is the reason why you can have some people who get baptized multiple times, multiple times over and over and over and over and over again, because they don't understand that baptism is a work that comes outside of you, that it's something that is done to you. And so it's the reason why we baptize infants, for instance. Uh, you cannot baptize yourself. You have to have someone there to baptize you. And, and what ends up happening in that baptism is this working of God uh, applying to you the, the covenant that has already been made through Christ for the forgiveness of sins and the salvation of you. And that it is something that happens upon you so that when you question God's love, when you question his salvific work in you, you can sit here and say, well, God did this work upon me in baptism, that it wasn't based on how well I believed at the time, based on my own faith to keep it going, but it was based on God's work for me. And that is, you know, that's why he says it's, it's not about, it's not about the washing of dirt, but it's about a clear conscience, not to be troubled but to be, be given assurance. God has done this, not you. So therefore, God has given you the salvation you need. 
that it is that Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and power subject to him. Meaning that it's done. He sat down. All of it is finished. And that now it is time to go on living in the, in the blessedness of the gospel and this Christ who has taken you out of your doubts and fears and given you himself and given you his gospel promises of forgiveness and mercy and grace, unconditional love, the things that he came preaching even before the cross, that you might cling to him rather than anything else. That is our hope and our joy, church. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, of whose only gift it comes that thy faithful people do unto thee true and laudable service, grant we beseech thee that we may so run to thy heavenly promises that we fail not finally to attain the same. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, church, prayers that you have a good week. Remember, uh, please share this with folks. Uh, pass it on. Uh, you can always uh, go on the, the website and, and share the links on your social media pages or whatnot to get folks listening because our goal is to share the promises and the gifts of God found in Jesus Christ with as many people as we can, and we can't do it without you. So I thank you, those of you listening all over from here in Ridgecrest to Frankfurt, Germany to uh, Indonesia, I saw the other day, Russia, Italy, <laughs> Canada, uh, uh, even those of you on the Wisconsin Packer fans, <sighs> uh, just kidding. Uh, Packer fans will be in heaven too. I know that, that, that's got to trouble my, my Viking uh, fan wife, <laughs> but, uh, prayers for you this week that God's blessings will be upon you. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs>